it's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. Hi, everybody. Oh, what a week. What a week. Thank you for for listening in. Um, I have to say, I'm doing this talk with a very heavy heart and fully aware that I am processing everything in real time the same way everybody is related to the recent events, the recent riots and pertaining to uh, January 6th and how again it's, you know, yet another another thing, another crisis that our country has to contend with. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really time for us to have a deep reflection within ourselves because this thing is not going to get better. It only has the potential to get worse if we don't change the way we are thinking, behaving, and relating towards each other. Um, a new president is not going to all of a sudden take these issues away and, and this, um, this tension away. So, you know, like I said, uh, feel free to join me in this conversation. Type in your thoughts, your questions, your comments. I am not the expert here, but I'm also, uh, you know, being in the field as long as I have, I know a thing or two about violence and and what creates it and the psychology behind it. And it's never okay, okay? That's the first thing I'm gonna say. It's never okay. Even though you might feel justified, it is never okay. And this fight towards nonviolence has been going on for, you know, centuries. Um, generations before us have tried to instill the nonviolent approach. You know, Martin Luther King is one of the big ones that we know in our generation. And it just goes to show how difficult nonviolent is to truly achieve. And I think it's because of a range of factors that I'm gonna talk about today to help you guys make sense of it in a way that informs and educates and not inflame. Because I think that's the big problem right now with our society, especially with you know social media, is that we just think out loud. There are consequences to thinking out loud. There are consequences, you know, from the president to us, you and I, there are consequences to all of, all of the behaviors that we are demonstrating um, on the various platforms. So I just want you guys to listen with an open, open mind and an open heart, okay? I, I understand freedom of speech and freedom of thought, but that doesn't mean being disrespectful and also 
with with these types of freedoms come social responsibility. You know, just because you can say it doesn't mean you should. Um, we need to go back to the basics and practice a little bit of restraint and mindfulness around how we move, you know, and navigate the current conflict. Emotions are high for all of us. I just got done supporting people, you know, and that's why I'm late. I was supposed to do this at four, so my apologies if you cared, if, if you were waiting. But, uh, you know, everyone on various political, you know, spectrums is experiencing the pain of what happened on 1-6. I haven't heard anybody um, try to justify it in, in one way, shape, or form. So that's comforting, at least for me, you know, to hear that. But I am disturbed by the lack of empathy that I have heard in the last couple of days just with the people that I'm supporting, you know. Um, but, you know, it's not about what I, how I feel and what I think when I'm supporting people. It's about me helping them get to a place of relief or understanding and not letting these events um, destabilize people and diminish them. So, so back to back to violence. So you know, Americans are so desensitized to violence. You know, in in a way, right? Like we are so accustomed to seeing it happening in real life or um, in the movies or on television. So in a way, I'm really happy that we're still having this kind of response to the riots because that means we are not as desensitized as we thought, as I thought we were, right? That there's still that component to us that really doesn't want this and understands the, the, the danger of violence, okay? Um, even though, you know, we've grown up getting such mixed messages, right? We also glorify the military and I understand there's a reason for, for military force. But if we were really truly trying to be nonviolent, right, in an ideal world, we wouldn't even need that. We wouldn't even have that. But we're not there yet in our collective consciousness and our collective growth to not need military force anymore. The same way that we are not there yet, you know, to no longer uh, think that people are not going to riot, okay? And that's the sad reality, is it happens because of a number of things. I'm gonna talk about the most obvious one. The most obvious reason for violence is when it's been modeled to you, when you've been abused yourself, when um, there are, you know, environmental factors in your home environment that have led you to, to think that violence is one of the ways you can get your needs met, right? The other reason, and that's kind of the kind of violence or at the level that I deal with, is helping people break the cycle of violence that is caused by environmental and familial factors. The other cause of violence, which is not the most likely cause, is mental health issues, you know, and I'm talking about like chronic mental health issues, like people who are really not oriented, they don't really know, you know, what's going on. Schizophrenia, you know, is one example. People in a psychotic episode, whether it's because of their mental health condition or they've been uh, induced by substances and so forth, okay? That's the rare reason for violence. 
but violence is a learned behavior, okay? And if the person doesn't fall in that category, sometimes violence is then created because of radicalization. So we've seen that a lot in the Middle East. And, you know, I'm starting to worry that some of that is happening here. And that's another conversation, but that's just something to think about, okay? That radi uh, radicalization and, uh, you know, extreme beliefs can create a violent behavior, okay? And it's not necessarily that the people who tried to convince people to commit violence, it's not that simple. There's usually other things going on underneath for to make that person vulnerable to being radicalized and vulnerable to commit violent acts, okay? There's, it doesn't just happen overnight. There's a series of events and buildup that happens. I mean, just look up with BLM. That's, you know, decades of feeling oppressed and marginalized and it, it just builds up and people feel helpless, so helpless that they feel like this is the only way to create structural change. So what happened on 1-6, even though, you know, I know a lot of people don't see it that way, from a violence lens, that is also an argument that could be made, okay? When people feel disenfranchised, marginalized, oppressed, whether it's because of race, economic reasons, religious reasons, political beliefs, there is that vulnerability for certain types of people to be prone to violence, okay? And we don't know what the risk factors are that already pre-existed prior to the, you know, the political or racial sense of oppression that BLM and the, the you know, the Trump supporters on 1-6 were feeling, right? So in psychology, we always look at risk factors, okay? So usually we find that it's not just like one event that's all of a sudden gonna make somebody violent. Usually it's a culmination of things over time. It's a buildup, similar to radicalization. You know, that person who tried to recruit that, that person that they radicalized, isn't gonna be super vulnerable if they had protective factors. That's what we call in psychology. So the more risk factors somebody has, the more vulnerable they are to coping in these kind of very disturbing, deadly, and maladaptive ways, one of them which is violence. So violence can be perpetrated to other people, but it can also be perpetrated to oneself, such as suicide. Okay, so suicides have also risen, but that's another conversation. But I just wanted you guys to think about violence in a more global way. That this isn't just because one party is right and another party is wrong, you know, but it's never justified. Okay, that's the message. So I want to talk a little bit about some definitions of violence. Okay, so because again, this isn't just about my opinion. So I want to start with... The American Psychological Association, APA's definition of violence, is this, and this one is very broad, okay? So according to the APA, violence is an extreme form of aggression. That's pretty obvious. Violence has many causes, according to the APA, including frustration, exposure to violent media, okay? So hopefully you're now seeing how complex this, this issue is of violence. 
So they're saying violence has many causes, including frustration, exposure to violent media, violence in the home or neighborhood, and a tendency to see other people's actions as hostile, sometimes even when they're not. So that definition alone, right, gives you a window into all the various factors that can create violent behavior in people. And if we really want to fix this problem, it's not going to be fixed just by changing a president, okay? There's multi-level structural change that needs to happen, okay? But I think it would help, you know, um, if, if we had a president who wasn't maybe, you know, uh, speaking the way that he does. I, I, I can see that, that it can be very inflammatory. But on the same token, in fairness, you know, to the other party, it, it's not just the Republicans that do that. It's both parties do that. You know, if you really want to take an honest look and watch clips, because that's what I try to do. I try to watch clips. I try to watch both stations, different stations, you know, radio and TV, because I want to get to my own perspective, right? And both are problematic, you know, and both parties have demonstrated disturbing, deadly violence. And this is why I wanted to talk to you guys about this so that you don't just get caught up in the political piece of this, okay? V violence is complex. And if we knew the solution, we would have already had it. But in, in the mental health field, in the fields of social justice, in the field of criminology, tons and tons of research, it's not one thing that's gonna solve this problem. And I'm going to talk about the things we can do towards the end, okay? Because even though you may not always change the macro or the system, what we do on the streets, how we treat each other, is still very powerful. And that can still, you can still be a change agent in that way. You know, that's why I was criticizing some of our behaviors collectively on social media, because that is not harmless, guys. That's what actually, I believe, has inflamed us even more so, you know? And if, if you want some perspective on that, watch The Social Dilemma. They actually predicted this stuff. It's scary. They predicted the, the chaos that is happening, you know, between our very eyes. So please, please, please take this to heart, okay? So that's the APA's definition of violence. Now I'm gonna move towards the World Health Organization's, um, one of their definitions of a type of violence called collective violence. Collective violence is, according to WHO, the instrumental use of violence by people who identify themselves as members of a group, whether this group is transitory or has a more permanent identity against another group or set of individuals in order to achieve political, economic, and social objectives. Okay, so that was kind of wordy, but basically it's, you know, a, a certain group strategically, instrumentally using violence to achieve certain political, economic, and social objectives. So we could argue that from, you know, BLM and what happened on 1-6, and the reason I'm referring to those two, by the way, is because I'm hearing so much comparison between those two events. But if we were to look at the motivations behind those two, you could say that they were trying to achieve political, economic, or social objectives, right? So the intent to change a system, the, the intent and the desire to change 
structural inequity is always noble. But the method in which we do it is what's going to make the difference. Violence doesn't usually work. You know, maybe for the short term it does, but never in the long term. And there's always so much, you know, chaos and trauma and and kind of damage that we have to deal with after after a violent episode, whether it's small or, or, or big, like as in the case of 1-6. So that's, that's the World Health Organization. One of the, the, the third one I want to share with you guys is um, from, from the National uh, Institutes of Health, okay? And this is the one that I think is really important for us all to understand and take in. Um, in one of the research that they did, granted this was in 2006, but it's still very applicable to what's happening today. They looked at dimensions of political violence and what they found was that political violence was intimately related to structural violence. And structural violence is the way society has been consciously or unconsciously structured educational, our educational system, our legal system, our cultural system, our healthcare, right? All the things we're dealing with today, they were dealing with back then, you know? We're not the only generation dealing with this stuff, right? Again, just look, look up MLK and what they had to do and what they had to sacrifice to get to where they are. So the work is not done. Um, but I think there's been some improvements you know, since, since MLK, MLK's time. But absolutely, we still have a lot of work to do. But it's important not to lose perspective, right? And that change usually happens incrementally. Change doesn't happen in one fell sweep and you just, you're just done with it. No, because you want to know why? Because collective change is a process. And the way we are talking to each other and relating to each other right now is a reflection of our collective consciousness, okay? I really want you guys to take that in. This is a reflection of our collective and spiritual growth, our collective and spiritual consciousness. We are not there yet where we can expect a world where people are not going to use violence. Again, it's not okay. But violence, as Martin Luther King says, I wrote this quote because I, it always gets to me. Oh, where is it? Oh, he said that riot is the language of the unheard. Riot is the language of the unheard. Again, it's not okay. It's not justified. But when you have enough risk factors, right, as I was talking about a few minutes ago, and they all start to add up and build up, and you don't have, you know, adequate coping skills or self-regulation skills, and then you have the media constantly reinforcing whatever your belief system is, then you have social media and all your friends that you're following, you're reinforcing each other's belief system, that, that seed gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And then the next thing you know, you've crossed the line and you are now unhinged. This is the, how criminals are made. It's very rare that you're just born a sociopath. You know, they don't make up 
a lot of our population. It's very rare that it's biologically based. This is a process of all the things that have occurred in that person's life and then the process of, you know, being radicalized, for lack of a better word, and just being pushed over the edge. So I want to go back to structural violence, okay? According to to this guy, his last name is Farmer. Obviously, I don't know his first name because I'm just reading off like a, a summary of a research that these 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 forms of structural violence creates a, a social machinery of oppression. Okay, that's really powerful. So I'm going to break it down. So the structural problems that we're having, not just in our country, but in many, many other countries, right? We're not the only one who deals with, with this kind of unrest, although in a developed nation, we are recently the only ones, which is very, very telling. Okay, but again, that's another conversation. So he's saying that these structural inequalities have created inadvertently a form of social machinery of oppression. So that's why systemic change is so critical, okay? And every time somebody is saying, I don't have any other means to get my needs met for systemic change other than violence, that is a person who has really like lost perspective in that moment at least, you know, and has you know, has reached the level of helplessness and powerlessness and desperation and a sense of being disenfranchised and marginalized that they truly believe in this moment that what they're doing is justified, that it is for, you know, the betterment of society. And you see them sometimes, right? Whichever party, whichever group, you know, they start to, to believe that this is justified. No, it is not. It is not, it never is, and it never will be, okay? There is no data that will support that scientifically, mental health-wise, that is going to, to support that, you know? I mean, just from a common sense perspective, it, it makes sense that it, it's not justified. But if you really wanted to dig, dig in on the research, there is no evidence to support that that type of behavior is, um, going to serve that person and serve other people. The opposite is true. People who are around violence, victims of violence, witnesses of violence, suffer emotionally, mentally, you know, to say the least. Okay. And again, this is not the same as using military force, because like I said, you know, we're not in that we're not in that part of our collective growth yet that we can eliminate that. We're still very primal as human beings. We're still, you know, very um, fight or flight. We still are so prone to being in survival mode. I don't know when it's going to happen, but, you know, who knows? I don't think nobody knows the answer to that, right? We can all just try and be part of the solution. But I want you guys to know that evolutionary speaking, we have evolved. We have evolved. You know, and that what happened on one six, if I may say so, isn't just people who just want to kind of break the law. 
for the sake of breaking the law. Just like BLM didn't want to create that violence just for the sake of creating violence. The psychology behind that, by the time you get to that point, there's already all of these processes that took place, like I mentioned before. You've already felt the repeated sense of oppression and the subjective sense of being disenfranchised and powerless and helpless that you start to believe you have to take matters into your own hands in a violent way to make a statement or to create systemic change. That's what they were fighting for too, okay? This is the message of hope and unity I wanna give you guys. Again, it's never justified. No one, it, no one is ever should be let off the hook for any violent behavior. We have criminalized this as a civilized society, okay? But we have got to stop with the, my sorrow is more than your sorrow, right? Like we're comparing sorrows as a country. We're saying that one, one group's behavior is more justified than another group. No, that's why I'm talking about violence because it all has similar roots of oppression, structural inequality, disenfranchisement, marginalization, helplessness, hopelessness. And if you can remember that, you can start to slowly humanize your fellow human being. Again, not to condone violence, but to start to understand and show curiosity for how did they get to that point? What happened to you instead of what is wrong with you? What happened to you to want to do that? We have to slow it down. We have to pause. It's up to us. It's not just up to the next president or the next cabinet, you guys. Stop giving away your power. It is not all up to them. Yes, we need systemic change, but you know, we also need change down here and they both go hand in hand. So try to, you know, your feelings are valid, right? But just try not to run away with your thoughts and your beliefs without really inquiring within, without really asking yourself the right questions, the right questions that will foster peace and unity and increased understanding. The right question is, what kind of suffering is this person having, right? What would a Trump supporter be possibly suffering from? What would a BLM supporter be possibly suffering from? Both suffering are valid. That's what we're forgetting. That's what we're forgetting, okay? It's, do, it's not about comparing sorrows. It's about saying, your pain matters too. I wanna cry, I'm so upset about this. It's like seeing humans treat each other so poorly. Like really, their pain matters too. Your pain matters too, your pain matters too. That's the beginning of healing. That's the beginning of possibility. That's the beginning of repair, is if you can ask that question, what happened to you? Help me understand. And 
your pain matters too. People resort to violence when they feel, right, outside of the risk factors I talk about, when they feel like this is the only way to get heard. Oh my God. You know, it's just been really hard because I'm a lover, first of all. Secondly, I'm in the business of talking to people about their feelings all day long. And, you know, people talk to their therapist in a way that they would never talk to anybody else sometimes. And I am privileged to hear people's deep feelings of thought, of, of hurt and pain on all sides, you know? And I wish I could just bring everyone together, you know, in the group and do like group therapy. And I'm, not, I'm considering that, to be honest with you. I, I just can't do it right now in a COVID environment. Um, because if you could hear one another, I think it would help open your heart a little more, you know. So um, I got a comment down here that says, you make it sound so simple, but it's not. And please, you know, talk about that. Like, why isn't it simple? What is getting in the way? What's hard about it? What's hard in saying, you know, somebody else's pain is just as important as your pain, right? Like, I'm not talking about justifying murder, okay, and, vi and violence, like I said. But if you can take a step back and go, okay, there's obviously some kind of process that happened here. And it's not just happening to one person. It's happening to half of America. So if it's happening to half of America, not, I'm not talking about the violence now, but the, the divide, right? It behooves us to go, what's happening? What is happening here? It can't just be one person's fault. It can't just be Trump's fault, right? He is not that powerful, believe it or not. You know, so I think that curiosity is lost, you know, and the, the just the, the need to be right. I, I, like I've said in my previous talks, like you don't have to always understand why somebody believes what they did or I'm sorry what somebody why somebody believes why, why they do right you don't always have to understand it you don't always have to fully you know get it but if that person is not inflicting harm onto you and they're still treating you with respect and dignity then why don't they deserve to be treated with the same level of respect and dignity you know, healthy boundaries are important. I'm all about that, right? Like, break up with people who are causing um, harm and damage to you and your personhood. But if they're not doing that, and you really are just, you just differ, you know, in perspective, does it have to be, do you have to have such a radical approach? You know, that that basic tenet of agreeing to disagree and respecting other people's values and beliefs. Why is that so hard to do these days? You know, so another person said the damage and violence is self-inflicted when it comes from a place of false truths. And so that's 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 it again. Right. False truths. 
false truths according to your experience. But from that other person's experience, it may not feel like false truth, right? So that's what I mean by curiosity. Like what if we said, well, help me understand. Help me understand how you came to that belief. It's hard to do, guys. The Dalai Lama has been trying to freaking drill this into humanity forever. But if he can do it, right, he's been asked... He's been oppressed, disenfranchised, kicked out of his own country. He, you know, this is the spiritual practice. And yet he does not wish them well. He still tries to live in love. I know it's hard and we are not the Dalai Lama, okay? All I'm saying is that is the way. That leaning towards that intention is the way. What is the other way to continue to inflame? Let's play this out. What if you never, right? What if we never change and we just continue to inflame, think out loud, talk and talk and talk about how this person's wrong and this person's false and blah, blah, blah. Like, what if we just kept doing that? What do you think's going to happen? What do you think's going to happen? Play it out in your head. We are either always part of the solution or the problem. And trust me, I'm not saying this is easy. This is hard. This is hard. The real work of tolerance and love and respect is actually very hard. And we are all being called and challenged to practice it in a way that we never have before. Okay? It's easy to be respectful with somebody you can tolerate. This is the work. This is the work. Just think about it. Just think about it. You know, I've talked about cognitive distortions, right? All or nothing thinking. And yes, yes, I know, I know there's a lot of extreme crazy thoughts out there, if I may say that, right? It's been a long day. I may not be as eloquent as I usually am, you know, but like, of course there's that. There's always that. There's always going to be that. But we still have a responsibility and choice as to how we want to show up in this current chaos. Are we going to add to it? Or are we going to, to walk towards more peace and unity? Are we going to practice what we preach, you know, of tolerance and love and respect? What would you say to your child, right? Would you tell your child, oh, it's okay to keep saying and doing this to that person? Because that person, you know, believes differently, you know, it's not the same. The reason the riots happened back in the summer is not the same as the reason the riots happened on 1-6. But it comes from the same place of pain, meaning the powerlessness, the disenfranchisement, the sense of oppression, whether we like it or not. Both of their suffering is valid and matters, right? So kind of to, 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 to make this even more simple, if a person came to me in my practice and they started saying all these things and I inherently think, well, that's not, you know, I invalidate them because I don't believe in it and there's no proof, right? Because a lot of times people are telling me there's no proof. They're just telling me this from their experience. I take their word for it. We start unpacking it. There's belief, there's trust, and then good things usually come out of it, right? And then if there's, there's kind of inconsistencies to the stories, it eventually comes out. 
Again, I'm simplifying this, okay? But if the premise, the point on me in saying that, if the premise of the conversation is benefit of the doubt and curiosity and understanding, really wanting to understand, right, why this person is feeling and believing what they do, it's a much better stance. And we were there at one point. We were there at one point. And I know Trump is the big variable here. I know he has, you know, in my opinion, you know, inflamed parts of part, parts of this since 2016. Kind of different elements of this, right? But it's it's not accurate to say it's all because of him, right? And that because Trumpers support him that somehow there's something wrong with those people. Like that's that's not the way to explain this away. That's why those people rioted, you know? And the same way that BLM, you know, felt like that's what they needed to do to get heard, right? Again, different reasons, different causes, but it's it's the disenfranchisement that people are feeling. And it's gonna keep happening for different causes. If because the process of being violent is usually a predictable one. And that's what I'm worried about. Is that if we don't do what what we need to do on this level that we're headed to more chaos and we're headed to a civil war. 30% of the clients I spoke to the last two days have verbalized that. I verbalized that a few months ago in my circle, you know, and unfortunately that might be true for all of us if we don't do our part, okay? So yes, you know, it may be coming from a false truth. Yes, it may be, you know, not as simple as it sounds, but this is the work, this is the work. And to those people who are listening, and I know some of you have a strong faith in God, draw on your faith, pray to God to let him guide you as to how you should be treating another human being regardless of their political beliefs, right? This is a day of reckoning, in my opinion. Now, this is my opinion. A day of reckoning for all of us, for our generation. Shit's getting worse, okay? And if we, we change doesn't happen unless change fundamentally happens. So, we need to just take a deep breath, pause, pray if prayer speaks to you. Draw from your sense of spirituality, whatever that is, and think about our ancestors who tried to fight through nonviolent means. Gandhi, the Dalai Lama, he's still dealing with his own oppression and being ostracized from his own country, okay? Martin Luther King, you know, and all the people that should be named, but we don't even know who they are, but they fought before us for our freedoms for our quality of life and it it's it behooves us to continue that fight don't let don't let social media hook you into dysfunctional conversations guys what you say and what you post has consequences please just be more mindful just be more mindful don't don't underestimate the power of your post we all have responsibility that comes with freedom of speech we all have a responsibility to, you know, respect other people. There's consequences for these behaviors, right?
I want to end with another MLA quote, MLK quote, Martin Luther King. He says, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. That was true then. That is certainly still true now. Both parties are feeling a sense of injustice, whether it's valid in your opinion or not. Okay? But the way we, we can start to heal and get back to de-escalation is if we start opening our hearts a little more. And again, not condoning violence, but showing openness and curiosity to someone else's experience of oppression, for someone else's experience of pain. They get to have that just as you get to have that. But if we can listen more and, and give the other person the benefit of the doubt, that's, that, is, that is the work, that is the way. That is what we all fought, I mean, not, not we meaning, that is what our forefathers fought for so that we can enjoy democracy. I really, really hope I didn't come across as, you know, preaching and uninformed, I just, my re really, my message here is to give kind of a, a broader conversation on violence and the nature and causes of violence and why people end up choosing to riot. It's, it's just never okay, like I've said multiple times. And really, I want to just kind of instill a sense of hope again and, and empowerment that you, your words matter the way you treat someone matter and that it has tremendous power in in creating healing and peace in this current environment okay don't underestimate that and i really hope that it causes all of us you know recent events in the last 10 months cause all of us to reflect and think about what we're willing to do differently what are we willing to do differently you know, sometimes it's not about what's best, right? Just for us but and our comfort level, but it's what's best for the group. I, I know that's easier said than done. And that only happens when we start, you know, with those little things I talked about of curiosity and giving other people permission to have their thoughts and feelings about it. And, you know, not not inflaming a situation, being really mindful, you know, because when somebody is already kind of at that point, when they're risk at, at risk for violence, and you never know where someone is, by the way, you'd be surprised, right, of either violence towards self or violence towards other people. It could be that one post you, you say, or that one image they saw, or that one thing they heard that finally pushes them over to the edge, you know, our words have consequences. So that's the message is how can you open your hearts? How can you be part of the solution? And how can you use you, your personhood to create more healing right now in our communities, in your day-to-day -day interactions with people? You know? So thank you guys for listening and thank you for, you know, uh, being courageous enough to share your thoughts. Um, if you want to private message me, you know, I'm, I'm happy to continue kind of talking about some of these things if you didn't feel safe talking about it here. But uh, 
yeah, again, you know, I just wanted to do my part to be part of, of, of the solution and healing. Um, all right, you guys. So I hope better days are ahead for all of us. Be safe, take care, and uh, know that we're literally in this together. I mean, this one is like if if this if the rioting gets worse, we're really all gonna c continue to suffer. So outside of a pandemic that we're already not being able to control or manage. So anyway, again, thank you for listening. Uh, I wish this was a little bit more upbeat, but you know, I'm also feeling the pain of it all. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm thinking of you guys and hopefully we we all, you know, get, get through 2021 with a lot less uh, hate in our hearts. Okay, bye for now. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. Don't